Why don't we go ahead and get into the word today? Hallelujah. Do join me in a brief word of prayer and we'll get into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for ministering to us, Lord, as we availed ourselves to you in worship. And Lord, we ask you to continue to do so. Uh, Lord, uh, Christy didn't know what I was going to share, but it's just the work of the Spirit, Lord. Uh, Lord, let us not leave the same way we came. Let us... Father God, leave here having experienced and having heard our God. Let us leave here with renewed hope and expectation, full of faith for tomorrow and the road beyond because we know our God. We know our purpose in God. And we know our God is with us wherever we go. So, Father, as the word goes forth, I pray that you minister to our hearts in a way that elevates our expectation of who you are and, and what you want to do and will do in our lives. May we leave encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to start in uh, Genesis chapter 12 today. I was, I was going to do another topic, and I will do that topic, but the more I got into it, the more I was led of the Lord to, to do another topic that will uh, lead into that over the next week or two. And uh, I chose for a title of today's message is God will do what he's promised. I want to encourage you with that today. God will do what he's promised. I know life gives us reason to doubt that and circumstances can sometimes be overwhelming, but Despite what's happening on the ground level, in the natural, the truth remains that God will do what he's promised. And in light of that, I want to talk about expectations, our expectations. Expectation has a major effect on the way we see life. The way we see life, the way we handle situations, even in our relationship with God, expectation has a major impact. Think for a moment about your life. What do you expect out of your life? We've got people at different parts of the age spectrum. Maybe some of you have done a lot of contemplation about that question. Maybe some of you have no idea you're hearing this question for the first time. You've done everything you could to avoid this because you don't know. You don't know. 
But it's a question that's worth pondering. It's a question that deserves answering. What do you expect out of your life? In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, right? To give you hope and a future. God has a plan for your life. He has an expectation for you. Amen? Do you have an expectation for your life? What is your expectation concerning God's purpose and plan for you? Do you have one? If you don't, we need to talk. Because I want to encourage you to have hopeful expectation concerning God's purpose and plan. Jeremiah 29 says, plans to prosper you, to bless you, to give you hope and a future. So his plans for you are good. If you're on the pessimistic side of things, all right, you're on a plan of negativity that, that, that ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you expect low, you end up getting low. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about this being about you. You know, it's about God. Unless God build a house, they that labor, labor in vain. But, you know, but we do have a part to play. And if we're going to have faith in God, then we need to have expectations that are in line with his word of truth. Not that are shaped by our experiences. Are you hearing me? What is your expectation concerning God's purpose and plan for your life? I hope you're writing that question down. What is your expectation concerning God's purpose and plans for your life? Because that question speaks to what you think about, what you think God thinks of you. And he, as my wife said, he's written a love letter that makes it clear. In your daily devotional time with the Lord, I won't ask if you're doing it. I'm just going to assume that you do and, and let this be an encouragement to you if you aren't. In your daily devotional time with the Lord, what is your expectation? Or every Sunday at church when you come here, what's your expectation? Or if you're, or whether you participate in any one of the small groups, the uh, uh, whether it's children's church, youth, young adults, or house life, uh, the discipleship groups, men and women groups, uh, senior saints, what's your expectation when you go there? It's nice to fellowship, talk, shoot the breeze, have a good time, laugh, and enjoy the company of others, but there, you know, there is a dual focus that needs to happen here. There is, what do I need in the natural as, a, as an individual but there's also a facet of it that looks to eternity. What is my expectation? Is this a moment of opportunity that I should be trying to maximize? Is this an environment? What is God wanting to say to me in this environment? 
Do I have an expectation for that? Whichever ministry you participate in, even in an event like we just had, the missions conference, what is your expectation when you are present? These moments when you're participating in an event, when you are at church, when you are in your devotion with the Lord, when you are in your small group, when you're at school or when you're at work, these are moments of opportunities. Allow me to back up real quick. I want to just say, uh, as it pertains to your participation in whatever uh, ministry capacity here, when we're here on Sunday morning, when we're here on whatever Sunday evening or afternoon you meet or, or what day in the week your group meets, those are moments of opportunities that for you to put the affairs of your life on pause and press into God. Like I said, fun, fun to be had. Enjoy yourself, but see the opportunity for what it is. It's a moment of opportunity for you to hit the pause button on the affairs of your life and press into God. See, if we have, if we do that, see, that's what one does who has an expectation that God will speak. That's what someone does who has an expectation that God has a purpose and plan for your life. And so I'm just encouraging you not to not be yourself, not to uh, be a a Debbie Downer or whatever the dude's name for Downer is, a a David Downer, (laughs) whatever. I'm I'm not trying to say be boring and and walk around like a Pharisee all day. I'm, I'm just saying entertain that God is present and God has purpose for these things he's led you to be involved in. And when you're there, be present in the natural to connect on a human level, but also be present in the spirit, being open to what God has for you. Have an expectation that God wants to meet you and use you in those situations. Those are moments of opportunity, which begs the question, are you maximizing your moments of opportunity to press into God? We're going to, we are going to talk about an individual who did maximize his opportunity. Genesis chapter 12, starting at the first verse, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So when Abram was 75 years old, God commanded Abram to leave his father's house 
to leave his kindred and to leave his country. Man, it sounds like a missionary calling, huh? And to leave his country and to go to a land that God had chosen for him but would not reveal to him until later on in the, first, in the faith journey with God. Man, that's a hard, think about that. That's a hard thing. Things are going well. He's, he apparently has a good family. Everything is, you know, there is no reason in the natural to upset the apple cart and go except that God said go. <laughs> right? That's the only thing. God said go. And God gave him some promises, gave him a promise of blessing he would receive as a result of going. But other than that, in the natural, there's more red lights probably flashing than green. So, you know, in the natural. So why did Abraham do it? Like I said, he left home, kindred, country on his way to a land that God chose for him but would not reveal to him until later on in the journey. God gave Abraham a promise of blessings that would be bestowed upon Abraham and others as a result of him embracing his faith journey in obedience to God. And Abraham obeyed God and embraced the faith journey God sent him on. Why would he do it? How was he able to operate with such faith in that moment of opportunity? I believe the answer is multifaceted, but today I want to just shine a light on his expectation of God. I want to shine a light on his expectation of God. He knew, first of all, that it was God who spoke to him. See, that's a clincher. We need to discern, is it God speaking or not? If it's God speaking, then we have an obligation to obey what God says despite whatever objections we might be tempted to cling on to. So I want to focus on his expectation of God and his expectation of how God could move in his life. You see, in addition to Abraham knowing that God spoke to him, I will say, let me change that. Because God, Abraham knew that God spoke to him, that was a settled issue in his heart. When God said, go to a land that I will show you, Abraham left in faith expecting the land, whatever it is and wherever it is, to be there. We can take that for granted. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give him a name. He didn't give him a geographical location. He just told him to go. Right? And so your expectation of God is going to play a huge role as to whether or not you're willing to go with just that information. 
Are you hearing me today? Right? That, that's why our, our, our personal devotion time with God is so important. That's why it's, it's, so much, it's so important that we invest time in our relationship with God so that we know that we know that we know the God of our salvation. And we develop a trust there that a trust there and a commitment so that when God speaks, that, that's the thing we want to confirm. Is it God that's speaking? Because if it's God that's speaking, then I say yes and I'm willing to I'm willing to go. Because I have an expectation that God is going to lead me in the way that I should go. That he's going to guide me there. That he's going to provide for me. That he's going to equip me Right, All these answers that would make me not go if I don't know it's God, all those answers don't matter as much because I know God is going to, God's going to fulfill everything that I need. So, so he had an expectation that there was a land actually there for him to go to and that God would get him there. That's huge. Sometimes we, we skip forward to what are we going to do when we get there, but there's an expectation. What if you don't know where that is, but God said go anyway? <laughs> what do you do? Well, you can go in the revelation that God has given you. Do what God specifically has said and because you expect that God is going to enlighten you more as you walk in faith along the way. So you don't need all the answers ahead of time. His expectation that God was telling the truth. There is a place and he's going to get him there. And he left in faith expecting God to keep his promise. The one thing God was definite about was the promise. So Abraham left upon the command of God with not a whole lot of detail about where he was going, but a very specific detail about the promise. And that was enough because he knew the promise giver and the one who commanded, who was also the one who commanded him to go. Amen? I want to go to Romans 4 uh, really quick. Verses 13 to 21. It's a passage where Paul gives his account about Abraham. And I just don't, most of you probably know, I just don't want to assume uh, Abram and Abraham are the same individual. He was, he was Abram uh, before uh, the promise, before the promised child. He was Abram. But when, he, when the promised child was born, Isaac, God gave him, told him that through Isaac, the promise would be filled of him becoming the father of many nations. And so his name was changed from Abram to Abraham to signify the fulfillment of that promise. 
So they don't call him Abram in the New Testament. They call him Abraham. So verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Just in general, in the gist, it's like this is not just the salvation that God has for us is not just does not just belong to the Jews. It does not just belong through that law system. It was going to come through faith. And this was signified through Abraham because the promises that were given to him were given to him through faith. And that was an early symbolization, early in the Old Testament, that when the Messiah came, that Jesus came, the way to salvation, the way into the family of God, the way into eternity with him, the way to heaven would be by grace, through faith, not by the law. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So there's something about his faith that we ought to partake in. His faith is an example unto us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. You know, in hope, he believed against hope. In other words, there were things that he could have grabbed a hold of, things that could have caused doubt. He could have grabbed onto those things. There were reasons and excuses for him to justify not embarking upon the faith journey God called him to. But you know what? He had hope. He had a, another way of saying hope is expectation. Any of you mothers who have given birth to children, You find out you're you're pregnant. What do they say you're expecting? Right? There's an expectancy. That day, yes, you're going to have to deal with a lot of, uh, we'll, we'll say, unfortunate conditions with your body and everything and things you're going to have to soldier through with their, their uncomfortable, painful. There's a whole lot of things, but you know what? There is an expectation that at the end of all that, that there is going to be brought into this world someone so precious. It makes all the late nights, the discomfort, the pain, 
the uh, biting off the heads of the husbands? Sometimes. I got mine bitten off of ice one time. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I was too slow with the ice. I still haven't forgot that, by the way. But there is a hope. There is an expectation. You look forward to the day when that baby is born. And that, that hopeful expectation just keeps, you, keeps driving you. Because you know there's going to come a day when you hold that baby in your arms. And everything changes. I got to thinking as I was uh, as I was writing up this message and everything. I got to thinking about: Do I have that kind of expectation when it comes to when it comes to the Lord and when it comes to what God's called me to and and what He wants to do in my life? And it just led me to pray to God, God. Wherever I'm lacking in that expectation, I just, I just want to avail myself to you. Lord, I want to expect. I want my expectations to, to be appropriate, Father God. I want my expectations of you not to be pulled down low based on my circumstances, but, 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 but I want to have faith-filled, hope-filled expectations, Father God that acknowledges the truth of you and, and the power and might and your ability to do the impossible. Right? That you're not limited by my limitations. You're not limited by my circumstances. You, you exceed it all. Right? And so, so, and so I can be like the three Hebrew boys. We believe God can save us from this furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing the knee. They had an expectation it wasn't a guarantee. Yeah, God can save my physical body from being burned. But even if he doesn't, I still have one eye toward eternity. I know who the true and living God is. I won't bow to another. Because I have an expectation. My God has made promises that he's going to make good on. Amen? So he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. See, that's the promise of God there. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. He's like, wait a minute. I was 75 years old when you called me. Right? See, that's a, faith, that's a potentially faith-weakening issue. But he said he did not weaken in faith because of his own body. What mattered to him is what God said, so shall your offspring be. You're going to be the father of many nations. Okay. Is, is it that simple for us or is it murky and gray? Because if it's murky and gray, God wants there to be clarity. If God said it, it's true. Right? If it contradicts God's word, it's a lie. Right? And there, along with that clarity, there should be clarity of decision. 
<laughs> if God said it, I'm stepping over here in this camp. If it contradicts God's word, I don't want to have anything to do with that camp. Right? And that's how we walk and live our lives with that expectation that God is good. Yes, he is good, but he's good for every promise <laughs> that he's made. Amen? He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. That's kind of cruel. Since he was about 100 years old, by the time the promised child was born, he's pushing 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's room. That's another. His age, the fact that his wife was barren, yet God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Can you imagine being in that circumstance? That's your moment of opportunity. God's called you. And he's saying, go do this. Oh, by the way, you old people are going to become parents. But, but you said it yourself, Lord, I'm old, right? Not only that, my wife's barren. Even in her childbearing years, you know, the age where she should have been able to bear children, she wasn't able to. This is going to take a miraculous act of God. And God's like, mm-hmm, Exactly. Right? I'm taking you on a faith journey that you walk with me. Along that journey, I'm going to do what only God can do. I'm going to miraculously work in your life where you're going to be able to produce something you couldn't produce before. You're going to be able to bring forth life like you couldn't do before. That's how I'm going to bless you. In the life you're going to bring forth, through that life, you're going to become the father of many nations. As you walk this walk of obedience with the Lord, no, verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. That's a key there. Again, it shows you how like a pit bull, he's locked on the promise of God. He refused to let any unbelief come into his mind, come into his heart concerning the promise of God. He would not waver. See, if that wavers, that makes us susceptible to desperation. And then we act in desperation instead of faith. We end up producing Ishmael's. We end up producing things with good intentions, but we end up it ends up uh, producing disastrous results. But if we're going to have the faith of Abraham, then we're going to have to be like him. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So he lived a life of continually giving glory to God. not wasting any moment of opportunity in the presence of God. He gave glory to God wherever he was at. And he stayed focused on the promise of God. And no matter what happened, the promise of God was elevated. 
by him. That's how he persevered through all the excuses. And he grew strong in his faith. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God in verse 21. Fully convinced. Say fully convinced. That God was able to do what he promised. Are you fully convinced? All right. My daughters are going to say, well, you're pointing at me. So to feel better about my daughters, I'm going to point to everybody. Are you? Are you? <laughs> okay, I won't point. Are you fully convinced that God is able and willing to do, to fulfill what he promised? Because isn't that what it really boils down to? Are we fully convinced or not? And if we're struggling there, it begs the question, why are we struggling? Do, is, is God trustworthy? Is that a settled issue in our, in our hearts? If it isn't, I would, I would venture to say, don't be so ashamed about it that you hide yourself <laughs> and everything. Uh, you know, confess it. Reveal it, you know. Uh, don't let the devil cause you to hide where he can continue to beat you up there and keep you going spiraling down uh, a, 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 bad, a bad situation. You know, you have the ability to interrupt that and make a choice. You know, like, what? No, I refuse to waver on the promises of God. If I don't know the promises of God concerning a situation, then... I know what I got to do. I got to go find out in the word of God what the promise of God is so I can stand on it, right? And I can pull down all the nonsense that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and elevate the truth of the knowledge of Christ. Amen? Because I don't want to waver. I don't want my circumstance to cause me to waver. I don't want any situation to cause me to waver. I don't want the the... The, the doctrines of demons that are being spread out there in the world that cause me to waver in my faith in God. I don't want anything to take my eyes off the promises of God, what I know to be true. Right? That's, that's the faith of Abraham. No wavering. Being fully convinced. Are you fully convinced today? You don't have to answer me out loud, but that's a question for you to ponder. Are you fully convinced? If you're not, you've got some homework. You know, we've got myself, the, the elders, the, the other faithful leaders in this church want to be a part of helping you grow in the Lord, helping you become fully convinced that's our job that's our role to edify and build you up so if you're not fully convinced don't hide it share it give us an opportunity to to be there for you to help you grow in the faith to help you elevate your expectation of what God can and will do in your life we want it to be a settled issue the word of God the promises of God in your heart. 
So I hope you didn't come here today or tune in today just to go through the motions or to leave this place with nothing having changed at all. If you came here that way, I'm believing God that you ain't leaving that way. If you came here to go through the motions, I, I, I'm just believing God you ain't, you ain't leaving here with the go through the motions attitude or mindset. I'm believing God just hit you right smack in the heart. <laughs> Instead, you're leaving this place with elevated expectations concerning your relationship with God and his purpose for your life. Or at least a renewed commitment <laughs> to press into God so that you can have those expectations elevated. Does that make sense? has a purpose for your life, y'all. And Pastor Dale, I don't care how many times he says it, it's always relevant and it always hits on as he says, make yourself available to God. I know you got work. I know you got school. I know you got kids. I know you got crazy neighbors. I know you got a lot of things. I know people drive stupid on the roads. I, I, I know we got a lot of things going on. I know you got knuckleheads wanting to date your daughters and so forth. I know there's a lot of things going on, but, but, but even in the, <laughs> but in the midst of all of that, we can do our, we can come up with our best plan, the best ingenuity that man could come up with and it will still fall far short and be inadequate to address the issues of our life, to protect our kids and whatnot. God is our all in all. Amen? And so as the hustle and bustle and the busyness of life just is all around us. And, you know, we could find ourselves spinning a thousand plates. We can find ourselves whacking a hundred moles at a time. But if we focus so much on those things to the expense of our pressing into God, then we're not loving ourselves, Right? The, the, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're not able to love ourselves well or others well if we're whacking a lot of moles and spending a lot of place and missing our moments of opportunity to press into God. Because our lives depend on our pressing into those moments. Pressing into God during those moments. 
And God will guide us as to which plates we need to keep spinning and which plates we need to let drop and break. Which molds we need to whack and which molds we need to leave alone. Amen? He'll guide us and direct our lives according to his purpose. A lot of those plates and a lot of those molds are nothing but distractions away from what God wants to do in your life. And it's time to hit the pause button and focus on pressing into God with great expectation. Expecting, first of all, that God wants to and will speak to you. Right? That he will visit you and meet with you. And that he will actually speak to you. Right? And having spoken to you and given you direction for your life, he will then direct and guide you in the doing of it. Do you have enough expectation? Do you believe God can and will do that for you? I pray that you do. And, and I, I sincerely say, if there are questions in your heart about that, then I invite you to have a conversation um, uh, with myself uh, or one of the leaders uh, here. I invite you into a conversation that I hope will lead us into uh, helping you get some things settled in your heart where you can grow to expect God to do those things in your life. So, you're leaving this place. My prayer is you leave this place with elevated expectations concerning your relationship with God and his purpose for your life. A purpose that God, like he did with Moses, will clearly reveal to you and direct you in walking it out. So expect God to be present in every one of your moments of opportunity. Expect God to speak to you personally. Expect God to lead and direct you through the next month, the next semester, the next school year, or the next season of your life. And expect God to equip you to walk through it in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I and the elders and leaders of this wonderful church are expecting God to do these things and more for you. We want you to expect the same. So with the 2023-24 school year only weeks away, I challenge students, parents, grandparents, educators, those who are in here, to press into God and raise your expectations for the upcoming year or season of your life. Because as God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I repeat what I started with, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so whatever the challenges are of your job, whatever the challenges are of your school, whatever they are, forget the challenges. What is the promise of God 
What is God speaking to you for this upcoming? Have you asked him to speak to you concerning this upcoming semester, upcoming year, upcoming season of your life? I would encourage you to do that. And I will um, ask the sound booth to add this last verse. I want to close with this. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. The psalmist says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's expectation. Right? Expectation affects our perspective. Right? Now, I can... I can look on the land of the living and say, I believe that it's just going to be a crap storm for the next six months, nine months, or a year, and that's all I'm looking for, for confirmation. Okay, that's, see, yep, I expected that. Yep, that's, um, I, what's highlighted to me is what I focused my attention on. But he says, I believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So he is... His expectation is on what God is going to do. It, it, it didn't say the land was good. It didn't say everything going on in the land was good. But his expectation, he's going to see the goodness of God in it. Right? And so there's plenty that's going to be wrong that's going to happen over the next month or three months or six months or 12 months. There's so much stuff that's going to happen wrong. And every one of us is going to have those days we wish we didn't have to go through. Those days, mama said there'd be days like this. Everybody's going to have those days. Because like a great philosopher once said, a great movie character philosopher, mama said, life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, <laughs> Right? But there's always, you can't run from it, there's always bad stuff that's going to happen. There's always going to be challenges, trials, tribulations, all those things. And we can focus on those things if we want, but we would do it to our own detriment. We have to make sure that our expectations are rooted in the word and promise of God. So that despite what's going on in our lives and around us, we can be like the psalmist. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait for the Lord. Right? If it, it, if, if it starts storming, if it's a hurricane going on all around me, right, I'm not going to panic and quit and say it's all over now. Instead, because I believe I'll see God's goodness, I'm going to wait on him. Because he's going to, he may not come exactly when I want him to, but he's going to come at the right moment. He's faithful. And like Abraham realized early on, Abraham left his family, his kindred, his country, because he believed in him who commanded him and gave him the promise. All right? God is a promise-keeping God. He's a way-making God. Amen?
And we just need to act like we believe that. And I, and I don't want it to be an act. I'm just saying we need to act in such a way <laughs> that people who believe that ought to act. Right? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We serve a good God, right? We'll try that again. We serve a good God, right? Amen. Our God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a God who has a purpose and a plan for your life. He expects great things from us. We have the ability to do greater things than Christ did as the body expands all over the world now. There's so much we can do in the name of Christ. There are souls for you to reach. Places of darkness where your light needs to shine. God has great purpose and plans for you. I'm going to ask you to stand. This church is full of people who love God. Who have made that choice that I made that choice to follow Jesus. For some of you, it's, it's caused a schism between you and members of your family who don't share your faith. And yet, you're committed. to walk in with God. This is this message is not a chastisement. Right? God knows your heart. He knows your heart belongs to his. But we are all on that faith journey. We all started off as babes in Christ and we all are still growing. And so I believe that's why pastorally I was led of the Lord to really share this message today that our expectations need to be raised. Our expectations need to be based in and rooted in the promises of God. They are for you. You are the children of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. And like, like Abraham, we must be fully convinced <laughs> that our God will do what he's promised. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just, I pray that you would that you would move and work in us 
in whatever way is necessary for us to be fully convinced. Not letting, fully convinced, not letting any doubt cause us to waver in our belief concerning your word and your promises. By your Holy Spirit, O oh God, help us to elevate our expectations in line with your holy word in spirit and in truth. Lord, I just, I pray that you bring conviction on us, Father, where we have allowed occurrences, surroundings, the attitudes and views of others to hinder our expectation of who you are what your purpose and plan is for us and how you can move in our lives despite what's going on let not our age Whether we're young, middle-aged, or old, let not our age be a hindrance. Let not our physical conditions be a hindrance. Let not our monetary situations be a hindrance. Let not what's going on in government or anything be a hindrance. Let nothing hinder what we believe to be possible in you, O oh God. Let our expectation rise to, to man, woman, and child of God here. We all individually will raise our expectations to expect you to do exceedingly abundantly all that we could ask or think. Just help us to be like the psalmist in Psalm 27, Lord, to believe that we will see your goodness in our land. And Lord, may we be instruments and vessels of your goodness that you could use to dispense your goodness into this land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, if you need to talk, if this message has, uh, there's a lot of questions in this message that were directed at everyone in general and there's bound to be one or two that may have some struggles that but they want to 
be fully convinced, but you're not quite there yet, this is a moment of opportunity that you should not and must not walk away from.